This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, look, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted! Intercepted! And it's in the ball! Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, the game. Hey, everybody. Matt Bagley with you. Scoop Duck in Hi-Fi. I, you know I'm a radio guy. I almost said it was Southern Oregon Sports Talk. Almost dropped the name of my radio show. This is not my radio show. This is a very radio-ish podcast that I do with Justin Hopkins every week. The uh, owner, editor, writer extraordinaire at ScoopDuck.com where I just try to pepper him with as many questions on the ducks as I can come up with. And a lot of Scoop Duck readers help me with those questions. Uh, One question's pretty easy to start the pod with, my friend. The Pac-12 football schedule is out. What do you think about it? Uh, You know, I guess, uh, I mean, obviously there's there's a ton to go over. You know, 12 teams in the conference, so we could spend a lot of time going over everybody's schedule, but I don't think that would... Uh, you know, entertain our Oregon centric uh, listeners, you know, so for the sake of Oregon, uh, I thought it was a good schedule. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't know that there's a way to just say, yeah, there's an outright favorable schedule. I mean, yeah, if you can obviously get the, uh, the lowest ranked teams on there, uh, as many of those as you can do and as many home games as you can get, that makes it the easiest. But I mean, I think, you know, for, for Oregon, I, I, I do believe this, you, you obviously you start out with a, I want to call it a valid test in Fresno State. By no means should Oregon lose that game. Should it be all that close? But that's a legitimate school. You know, I mean, that's a school that, that's that got some players and, and has done some things. So, you know, I, I like that test out of the gate and it's at home. But obviously week two, you're thrown into the gauntlet. Ohio State right now, it's, it's currently scheduled to take place in Columbus. Who knows if they'll move it to a neutral site. We don't know about that, but you know, right out, right out of the gates there, you're, you know, you're heading to Columbus to take on one of the top teams in the country. Uh, You know, for me, I've said this before, I'll keep saying it. I think you can survive early season losses and still get into the college football playoff. Uh, I think it makes it really difficult when you lose late, even to good teams to remain or get back into the college football playoff. So, uh, you know, this either sets the table up nicely for Oregon or it says, Hey, here's how close you are. You're going to have some work to do and you have to play pretty darn good football the rest of the way. Uh, the buy is a little early for my liking, but it's not, you know, it's not egregiously way off. At least yeah. it's not like week, week three, like UCLA is, although they have two, um, you know, but other than that, man, as soon as that buy hits, it's on from there. I mean, you, you know, you, you talk about it just in a row. You've got Cal, UCLA, Colorado, Washington, Wazoo, Utah, OSU. That is, I mean, you're running the gamut right there. And you can't play any b- bad football. You know, if we're just being fair, Cal and Colorado are probably the two easiest win- wins there just on paper right now. I know people would like to say Oregon State, but they beat the Ducks last year. So you got to give them some props. And that's going to be a tough game no matter what. But, you know, playing, uh, you know, playing Utah, playing Washington, playing UCLA, those are three really good football teams. Uh, you know, 
the Ducks are going to have to win late and they're going to have to play really, really good football along the way and hope that they're healthy. Love the schedule. I think it's great, but it's, you know, by no means did they get, you know, a favorable walkthrough to the Pac-12 championship. Yeah, I'm with you on that last stretch. You mentioned Utah and Washington. November is going to be a real challenge to me. I, I think that's where we see the limits of this Oregon team. And then there's that game against the Buckeyes. Now, I've got a lot of questions on Scoop Duck about whether or not they might move the game. We can talk about that in a couple of minutes. But I, I want to probe you a little more on this because you approached this as Oregon can lose this game and still reach the college football playoff. I'm fascinated by that. Tell me more. Well, I mean, I felt they could last year. You know, I think we've seen uh, in the in the years before that Oregon's put a, a tough LSU or a tough Auburn on the schedule. And as long as they're winning, they've been able to, you know, make some noise there. Uh, but, it, I mean, none of it matters if you're not winning. But let's just say they do lose that game and, and go on to, you know, run off, rattle off the rest of their schedule. You know, you're looking at a team that's sitting there at 11-1 with a, a second week loss to more than likely a top-ranked Ohio State. I think the committee is going to look favorably on that. And I think that we have seen Oregon schedule these early season tougher games like this for, I would say, the last five or six years now. And I think that this is something, you know, that Rob Mullen sitting on the committee, uh, you know, being the, the, the chair of the committee as he was, I, you know, I think this is something that he kind of felt the, the committee endorsed that, you know, for him, it's, it's the best path for Oregon. Um, you know, a lot of folks do like to say that the Pac-12 is down and, and, and might not even be one of the top three conferences in football right now, or even possibly four. And that's damaging. You know, I, I, I do think there's better football in this conference than some believe, but by no means are they elite. They have definitely fallen off a little bit. Um, you know, we could talk about recruiting rankings from last year and, and outside of Oregon and USC, it really wasn't very good. And if you're not recruiting well, you don't have talent. If you don't have talent, it makes it really difficult to win. So, you know, uh, you know, obviously you and I are, are incredibly uh, jovial that uh, we'll no longer have to worry about Larry Scott, but there's still a lot of re repair that needs to be done with this conference. Yeah. Uh, I think the image is tarnished. And again, to your original question, why do you, you know, why do you schedule Ohio State early? I think that you need that, you know, you need that legitimate out of conference, you know, uh, school on your resume. But along with that, I think by Oregon scheduling them and having a, a tougher schedule and, and, and even if they do lose that game, you know, you go on to win nine games in a row. I think the committee will give you uh, somewhat of a pass. And and that's the thing. Even then, I know it's been a lot of, uh, of SEC flavor in the champion in, in the uh, in the final fours last couple of years. Um, and I get that. And I get the frustration. But, you know, I do think that they're looking to include schools, you know, from multiple conferences. I just don't know that the Pac-12 has given them a reason to the last couple of years. So hopefully that this year's different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like the idea they could lose the game. But if they win out, they still have a shot in the playoff only if it's close. Because to me, I, I think back to uh, the year where Georgia got to the national championship game. And Notre Dame loses to them in a close one in September. And for most of the year, Notre Dame was still in the playoff conversation because yeah. of how good Georgia was. We, we couldn't dock them for it. We couldn't say that they weren't playoff caliber. 
because they played a team at the very apex of that playoff mountain. I, I think if if you have any shot at Oregon, despite losing that game, you just have to play them really close, and you have to hope that the Buckeyes take care of their business in the Big Ten. Um, uh, let, let's let's look at some of the questions that we have here on Scoop Duck. Um, related to that game, there's been talk that it might move. Do you think it'll move to a neutral site? Uh, we're gonna have to. I don't know why my headphones just cut out, Matt. Hang on a second here. You're good. I I figured something was up. I was trying to improvise there. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know what happened, but it's like I can hear you through my phone, and it might. Hang on, let's do this. Stupid. <laughs> you know, folks, you might be surprised. It, it really, when we had the studio, it was a little less seat of our pants, a little less improvised, but everybody is doing podcasts like this nowadays, and, and it's always like this. You know, the, uh, the idea of uh, Wizard of Oz, you, you pull beneath the curtain and it's just a guy. That's been us for about a year, so <laughs> we're doing our best, making it do. How about now? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, okay. You can hear. All right. So, all right. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess I'll just hold my phone up to my head like the olden days. I don't know what the hell's going on with those stupid headphones. <laughs> and sometimes, like I, it, yeah, they're on and they're working, and they're just like, nope, we're not gonna. We're not going to do that. Okay. So let me let me turn them off just to make sure they don't come on. Okay. Well, go ahead and I guess rewind to wherever they cut out. I think. Uh, yeah, I, I think I I was uh, I was going to ask you whether or not you think the Ohio State game gets moved. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's certainly discussion about uh, that game being moved from Columbus. Obviously, wasn't able to be played last year. You know, when you schedule a home and home, that's kind of the idea. Um, you know, no game in Eugene. So do you, do you move that game somewhere like Dallas or, you know, do you, do you just leave it in Columbus? Um, you know, right now there's been no indication they'll move it, but I'm sure that it's certainly something that's on the table, um, you know, with a discussion between the two programs, you know, for me personally, I say you leave it and roll with it, but that's just me. I'm kind of a simplistic kind of guy. So, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure what they might do, but I'm with you. I I know a lot of Duck fans um, through through my show and and reading your site and just following Twitter. A lot of people that were really excited for this game in Columbus because I don't think Oregon's ever played in Columbus. Yeah, I don't think so. And I you know I mean that's obviously one of the you know great things about scheduling games like this is, you know, for the fans that have the means you're, you know, you're traveling to a, a new site and experiencing a new tailgating area and experiencing, you know, food and atmosphere and, and, you know, all those things that, that make college football great, you know? So for me, I guess, let's just say you moved it down to Dallas. Well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with Dallas. It's great. It's a, an amazing venue, but I know fans have been there you know, several times already. So I think the opportunity to travel to Columbus just based, based off that, you know, based off the travel part mm -hmm. is probably, uh, you know, it, it's probably pretty exciting for fans. Yeah, no doubt. Um, talking football, talking schedule outside of that Ohio State game. What's the, the next most challenging matchup on the schedule? 
Well, you know, you got a lot of you got a lot of the tough games are on the road this year. You know, you you let's just I mean, that's the thing. The the road games it starts with Ohio State and Columbus, and then you know, you you, you just before the bye, you've got Stanford. You're on the road. You know, following the bye, UCLA, who I think is going to be a good team this year. You know, you're on the road, Washington, Utah. I mean, that's those are all tough. Not not one of those is a gimme at all, and and they're all on the road. So I guess we're going to know early if, if Oregon's you know, maybe grown and matured a little bit there and going to be able to, you know, play on the road a little better than they did last year uh, or if that's going to be a major concern. I suppose the one for me that everybody likes to, you know, discuss or talk about, you know, is is a trap game. And I think Washington State is kind of that that scary one wedged in between Washington and Utah. Right. You know, that 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 to me is the one that kind of sticks out, although there there's a number on there that I think you could look at. Uh you know, let's say you get through the gauntlet and next thing you know, it's Oregon State is your last game. I would some if it wasn't for last year, I would call that one the trap game probably. But I think uh, I think the Beavers got the Ducks full attention this year. Yeah. Um, now for some of the uh, the questions we have, because I, I agree with you. But, you know, we have we have a couple commenters pointing out. I, I'm going to try this week not to mention that team in Corvallis. Uh, I'm not going to go there. Uh, let's get to uh, some of the questions we have on the site. Quack Attack 23 asks, what's the deadline for JTT, that five-star defensive stud in the state of Washington, to make a decision? April 15th. Um, <laughs> you know, I've mentioned that several times. It's April 15th. That's his, his date. Uh, you know, basically, and ultimately, even then, uh, there's really no reason why he can't go past April 15th. I mean, if he simply wants to just sign financial aid agreements when he shows up to the university, like some have started to do, he could do that. But more than likely, I think you'll you'll have a decision by April 15th. That's, you know, just a little bit over a month away. So I suppose we're creeping up on it. Um, how does that recruiting saga change over the next month uh, how do the ducks uh, lock him in or or look at it maybe the other way how does some other teams swoop him away well i think it's going to come down to visits you know uh, obviously their visits are not allowed so uh, if he does take them they're they're completely self-paid self-guided and all that stuff but you know, you just don't really, if you're Oregon, you're hoping he doesn't do that. You know, you'd rather he doesn't go visit Columbus or doesn't go visit Tuscaloosa or any of the other campuses. So, you know, I, I think that that might ultimately be the biggest key in his recruitment right now is just, you know, is this, a, I guess the two things, you know, will he go and take some of those trips on his own and be, you know, for me, how much is distance going to end up being a priority? I've always felt no matter what a recruit has said throughout his entire recruitment, I don't care what day it is up until that last week, most of them will say distance isn't a problem. And then the last week hits and mom suddenly realizes they're about to move across the country and that changes the game. So I don't care what phase we're at in, in the Tuamalo saga, uh, you know, or where his head's at currently at some point distance will become a factor. And now again, that is until that last week or even those last three or four days. But And, and if we're not there yet, then obviously it's not a, a, a factor right now. But at some point it will, and that's just uh, you know that's just the way it goes. Right. And I, and I think that's a very, very relatable point. You know, I'm reminded of what my parents went through. It's, it's a, a different in the sense that 
they weren't the parents of athletes, but um, my my father was always really close with my sister. They were like best friends growing up, and she's a lot like him uh, in terms of personality, and they were tied at the hip. And then when my sister got married, uh, she got married pretty early, 18, to her high school sweetheart who was in the military. Um, they immediately moved to his air base where he was stationed in Japan. And so out of nowhere, you know, my dad's little girl is 18 and married and not just, you know, out of state, but out of country. And that was really hard for my dad and, uh, and for my mom and for all my family as well. And, and I think about some of these kids, maybe you've been in the same town most of or all your life and your family have been there and everybody's been close it can be jarring to have that person halfway across the country i could see where that would be an issue well and especially this year with the pandemic you know things have just been different people have have prioritized things differently maybe families become a little bit more of a focal point for some and yeah i mean this i think this year has really emphasized that um, probably more than any other year, just, you know, staying close to home, not getting too far away um, and everything that kind of goes along with that. So, again, am I saying that it's a major factor right now? No, I don't think it is. But I do believe n- not just because I hope he goes to Oregon. I, it, you, you just you pick your recruit and it really applies almost, you know, the numbers don't lie. It does apply. And, you know, I think it's going to become a factor. And if it hasn't done so today, maybe it does in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, Quack Rock asks, who are the next five to commit? And I don't know if you can answer that, but I, I'll throw this question at you. This might be easier. Who's the next duck commit? Yeah, you know, that's a tough one, especially one to handle on a podcast. Usually I like to do those uh, in an article. I mean, it's a great question, so I don't I don't have any problem with the question. It's a, And people, you know, ask it pretty often. So, you know, right now, um, you know, quite honestly, I don't know who's next. I mean, I think there's a lot of guys that are really, really warm, you know, with Oregon and really enjoying what they're doing. And I think there's just sort of this in-between time where you're start if you're Oregon, you're really starting to figure out, you know, how to get more and more kids on campus for self-guided tours and let them see Eugene, and then maybe trying to tie that in with spring ball if you can or if you cannot. I mean, obviously the rules are just so weird this year, and 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 it's already so difficult to begin with. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I guess great great question for me to do you know, an X five to commit, which I can do. And that's an article I, I typically do, I would say once a month or so. And, uh, you know, I'll be happy to put that together, but yeah, gun to my head, next guy to commit, um, you know, gosh, I don't know, maybe Trey John Williams, the, the safety out of Portland. I think it's going to be somebody that's probably, um, within a bordering state or so of Oregon. If I had, if I just had to make a guess, although the last two commits have been from Mississippi and Texas. So I guess you could throw my logic out the window. Yeah. Is it just me or do you see more local guys, more in-state guys looking at Oregon right now? 
I mean, I just think that there's a couple more options, you know, than, you know, would, you know, Darius Clemens and Trey John Williams, you know, those are two great players and they're, you know, two players that the Ducks would, you know, really want. And, you know, are they prioritized a little bit more because they're in-state guys? Sure. Of course they are. I mean, that's just, that's the name of the game. I mean, you know, that's, that's in, in recruiting 101 that, you know, the, one of the top three rules is, you know, keeping the in-state talent in-state that you need. And so, you know, I think it's nice for Oregon to have two or three options. You know, Andrew Savai Naya has an offer from Oregon as well. So you got three guys with legit Oregon offers in this class that, uh, you know, I think the Ducks would take right now. So um, makes makes Mario Cristobal's job a lot easier because, uh, you know, for me, it, it, man, it just – it's really – uh, for me, it's just that much easier to keep these kids locked in and keep their commitments solid when they're either within your state or within 500 miles. Because when you go back to Florida or you go back to South Carolina or you go back to Texas or Mississippi, there are a lot of schools between you and that kid, you know, trying to trying to pull them away from you uh, really can make your job difficult because those guys aren't coming out every every weekend, every other weekend or even once a month. Um, you know, you can get a kid from, let's say, the Bay Area or Seattle or Portland. You can get them onto your campus once a month, once every six weeks, maybe even once every eight weeks on a, on a long, you know, on, on a long time, on, on a longer tenure there. So, you know, right. to me, I think keeping those closer guys locked in is, is a little bit easier. And, uh, you know, again, you go after those guys because recruiting 101, you got to keep the top in-state guys in the state because it really sends a, a message of confidence to those out-of-state kids. That really is an alarming thing like, hey, this kid's 60 miles up the road and doesn't want to go play there. Why would I drive 2,000 miles across the country to go play there? You know, so for Mario Cristobal and his staff, it's, it's, it's just really important to keep those guys locked in. Okay. Let, let's throw out another question here. Uh, talking a ton of football, but I – you know, it, that's what we do. It's our focus, and it's really easy to get me in a football mood. So, uh, football questions. Hank, you 85. I like this question because I think we asked about this last March. I'm pretty sure we had, we talked about this last year around this time. Uh, quote, one thing that seemed to lack last year was the Ducks Leadership Council. Any update on that? Any dudes standing out as being leaders? Well, I mean, you know, at the moment you have, you don't even have spring ball going yet. So, I mean, is that something that's a priority for Mario Cristobal? Certainly, you know, that was an area that this team was lacking in. Um, You know, that is something that he prioritizes with, uh, you know, with his team and, you know, have some guys started to kind of emerge a little bit more. Yeah. You know, I think one of the big elements that, you know, a lot of folks are, are missing out on is the fact that, you know, Mario Cristobal does a really good job of of having a lot of team building events you know they go to camps or they go to you know they go to the lake or they go do these other things and you were able to do that last year and not just oregon anybody but you know for oregon you had a lot of young guys coming in and you just weren't able to do those really important team building exercises last year and i think that showed up in the leadership council and so you know, right now they're still not able to do uh, a lot of those things. Uh, potentially, you know, they might be able to in the next month or two. And if that's the case, you got most of summer, you know, most of your spring, all of your summer to kind of work on that and head into fall camp, you know, maybe with a little better nucleus of a, of a leadership council, you know, of some of those guys kind of taking leadership and being in charge. Uh, not to mention you had some true freshmen that came in and were, you know, or, or even redshirt freshmen 
uh, or excuse me, true sophomores that were your best players on the team last year. Uh, you know, a year or two is really not that much time to to grow into a leader. You know, you're kind of looking for those juniors and seniors to do that. And, and Mario Cristobal was fortunate the year before to have, you know, a fourth-year guy in Justin Herbert and a fourth-year guy in Troy Dye, guys that have been through ups and downs and, you know, bad seasons and good seasons, and you had a really strong nucleus there. And and not that you you don't. You do have a lot of returning guys for or some returning guys for Oregon, but definitely not nearly as many and no team-building exercises. So kind of the double whammy, but, yeah. Uh, major priority for Oregon, major priority for Mario Cristobal. And I, I think over the next 60 days, we'll see, uh, you, maybe we'll get a little better feel for who those guys are. Yeah, I feel like I've been using this as an excuse for just about everybody in sports. But I I think without a true off season, and what I mean by that is uh, you, you're true freshman enrolling early in the spring and having a full spring practice and having you know all 100 plus people in your program um, on the same page together all spring all summer all fall I think it's it's a really big deal and um, the the fact that Oregon and and really everybody in college football couldn't have that I think put a damper on the ability of programs to do team building and, and kind of gain the chemistry that, that might be lacking uh, the leadership that, that, that might've been lacking last year as well. Um, yeah. And not to mention Oregon have one of the youngest rosters in the country. I mean, right. it was a re- it was kind of a recipe for disaster a little bit, if you will, but they got through it pretty well. And, and, you know, <clears throat> I, I guess as much as we could, you know, shoot some criticism at Mario Cristobal for this or that, you know, I think one of the biggest things that you and I have said before is just his ability to adapt, his ability to recognize, you know, shortcomings or, or areas that they're weak in and and get better. And so, you know, there's no doubt in my mind he recognizes that lack of leadership and, and will be, you know, a top priority for him this year. OK, so I, I feel pretty good on football. I feel like we've covered every base there. Uh, they, are there any other football topics you want to address before we move on to hoops? Uh, I mean, I, you know, I'll, I think the last one, and it can be fairly brief just because it's it's kind of interesting is, you know, Oregon picking up a, a commitment uh, this past week here, you know, a, a, a junior college offensive lineman, Percy Lewis, um, you know, really uh, another intriguing, you know, I don't want to I don't want to use this word, but, you know, kind of the typical Mario Cristobal offensive lineman, you know, six foot nine, 360 pounds, you know, another massive massive human being and you know he he you know he doesn't just load up his entire group with you know six foot nine 350 pounders but he certainly has an affinity to take one or two here and there so um but yeah uh, you know the ducks went to the junior college ranks obviously a huge surprise not anyone i had on my radar not really anyone anyone was discussing at all from an oregon perspective oregon offers and you know, just within a couple hours, he commits. So, um, you know, clearly he decided Oregon uh, was a school that he was very high on, um, you know, just keeping tabs. I know that Auburn, Florida State, Missouri, and a handful, TCU, I believe, a handful of schools have offered since he committed to Oregon. So, you know, clearly there's a lot to like about this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems as though the Ducks might have just jumped on him early and and been fortunate with that. But, Again, something we talked about, and this is going to be the reverse side of this. You know, you're talking about a kid that's from Mississippi, and we're here we are early March. You know, it's a long ways to December. 
it's going to be a, a lot of work for Oregon to hang on to him, to sign him, to keep him committed. And so, you know, that kind of becomes the the watch at this point is, you know, how how well they're able to keep him locked in, yeah. um, you know, keep those other schools away from him. And, and ultimately, when we get to December or, you know, a little closer to his final decision, you know, will distance become a factor for him? So those are, you know, kind of the things to keep tabs on. But certainly, you know, uh, another intriguing, massive human being for Mario Cristobal. Yeah, I, I'm intrigued, too, when you mentioned that uh, of he's from the South and, and, you know, you might visit Oregon and your family might visit Oregon and they get to a point, maybe that final week before you sign on the dotted line where they say, hey, we don't want you this far from home. I wonder if Oregon might actually have an advantage in that situation, though, where, like, I think about strength coach Aaron Feld, who we've had on the pod before. He's from the Deep South, and I think if you ask Aaron, hey, where would you rather live, he's going to say Eugene, Oregon. And um, and I know when we've, we've talked with, like, families of recruits from that area before, they've said stuff, stuff similar that Eugene can be really special for them. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's kind of a safety to it. There's kind of a, Hey, you want to go somewhere with limited distractions, you know, which can be viewed as a good and a bad thing, depending on what, you know, what side of the coin you're on there. I mean, I've seen that work against Oregon in the past and, and, and certainly has worked for them. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I guess overall, if, if your mom or dad are concerned about sending you across the country and they go out to visit Oregon and see that, Hey, the, you know, crime rates really low and there's just not a lot going on here they're going to feel pretty good about it. And, you know, of course you, you still got to send them, but yeah, overall, you know, the, the look, all those things that would make you concerned about, you know, sending your child cross country, you kind of get to Eugene and go, Oh, this is a nice little town. They'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, um, I feel good then we can talk, uh, talk basketball if you want. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a, well, and shoot, right. And where we're recording this, the, the, the women are playing, you yeah. know, that's, it's uh yeah it's definitely it's it's i i know we keep saying oh we'll get into talking basketball we'll get into talking basketball and we kind of never did and here we are you know just you know towards the end of the season the the pac-12 tournament's going to be kicking off here in the next couple days and i just what a weird season it's been right okay yeah as you're as you're saying as we are recording this and it will be over by the time we're done recording uh, it is the second half of the uh, women's quarterfinal, I'm pretty sure, Oregon State and Oregon, and uh, unfortunately the team in black and orange has the lead right now. I'm not going to, I mean, it'll probably end by the time this pod ends, and we'll tell you who wins if you don't know already, but um, I, I, I hope that this Oregon team just gets into the dance on the women's side. Because even though we haven't seen them at their best yet, I still feel like we've seen glimpses of what they're capable of. Yeah, no, it's a good team. And, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, Mario Crispall electing to play a bowl game this year with his young team. I mean, there's no such thing as, as wasted practice or wasted games, really. You know, every opportunity is is a rep is, is, you know, as a rep in practice, rep in a game, live action, something to put on film, something to learn, you know, that you did well, something to get better at. Um, and, and I think if you're Kelly Graves, that's a hundred percent, your goal here is just get as far as you can get 
you know, probably realize that this isn't your championship, you know, Cal, this isn't your championship team and that's okay. Get them as far as you can get as many games as you can play as many teams as you can. And there's just nothing but positive things to, to take from that. They might lose and they might get blown out. They might have some struggles, but it's still, it's all, you know, it's all a, a bonus for the women. And, um, you know, right now, obviously, they're they're not faring well against Oregon State. But, you know, I mean, we've seen them turn it on and, and play some pretty big games. So I, I'm excited to watch it. I'm excited to see their growth. My expectations are are not high. And I think I think that's fair. Just mm-hmm. keep the expectations in check. Let these women play and understand that every game that they get, whether it's a win or a loss, is going to help this team down the road because this is a, this is a tremendous team. And the next two or three years could be could be an awesome couple of years for the Ducks. Yeah, and and I I will use the same excuse for them that I used for football earlier because I really do think it applies to pretty much every sport and every school. And and you could even say the same for high school kids. You could say the same for the NFL. It's just it's it's to me the most prevalent aspect of sports in the pandemic without a regular offseason and and the rhythm of your offseason practicing year-round and practicing in the way that you've practiced in years before I think it was difficult for young inexperienced teams like this Oregon women's team with so many stud freshmen don't get me wrong loaded with talent uh, but but it was hard for a team like that that didn't have a lot of college playing experience to gel together and to learn how to play at the college level yep no I agree I mean I we've said the same for football and I don't want to call it an excuse because it's not an excuse but it is a valid reason and it applies to basketball too this women's basketball team is young um, you know, we flip it over and I know we're gonna, but when we flip it over to the men, you know, they were an inexperienced and uh, not inexperienced in, in games played, but just games played together. Right. In terms right. of that roster. But that's and also, see, that's also less of an issue on the men's side because guys are going to the NBA every year. Right. But what, you know, my point is you, you saw that Oregon men's team at the beginning of the year that was a good team, but not a great team. And now we're watching them play, finally coming together, getting those games together. And they're looking like a hell of a basketball club right now. So, yeah. you know, I think the difference there is the experience and stuff was there. Just the, you know, the chemistry and the time together wasn't, you know, unfortunately for the women, they didn't have a lot of those, you know, players with a ton of experience like that. Yeah. So it's going to be a different result, but obviously, you know, what Dana Altman's doing right now is, is just, it, proves why he's Dana Altman yeah yeah and and to flip that around I I think that the inexperience that's hurting the ladies um, is less of an issue on the men's side a lot of guys are one and done so you know your, your teams are changing a lot at least in the the major conferences your teams are changing a lot year in year out um, of course, the mid-majors are still able to keep guys long-term and, and build a contender that way. But I think I think what Oregon was able to do under Dana this year um, was was important in, in one really key aspect. Um, we, we've talked before about how Oregon football likes to send their coaches out to NFL teams and study what they're doing. And, uh, and I'm going to name drop Aaron Feld again because he talked about this probably two, two years ago when we had him on the pod. He said, you know, I went to the Rams and I watched 
um, how they ran their weight room and, and what their program, their strength and conditioning was like and took some ideas back to Oregon. Um, Dana is on the record as saying that when he realized we're not going to have a lot of practice time this year and we're going to have some games get moved and we're going to have to play maybe seven games in a two-week stretch like they are right now or play you know no games in a two-week stretch like they did at one point of the year, he said the NBA knows how to do this. How do they yeah. do it? And he, he basically adjusted his entire program and turned it into an NBA program. I think it's really impressive. Yeah, no, I mean, to, to have that awareness and, and just, you know, being able to, I guess, adapt. Adapt is the name of the game, and it's not just in basketball. I mean, adapt, adaptability is the name of the game in anything. You know, being able to adapt in football, on defense, on offense, being able to adapt in basketball, men's, women's, whatever, you know, baseball, and you name it. And so, yeah, having that ability to adapt, and instead of, you know, instead there are coaches that, like, we've always done it this way, we're going to stick to doing it this way, you know, like, <laughs> It's not working. You're sticking a, a right. you know, a round peg into a square hole, you know. So, uh, you know, kudos to Dana Altman for kind of recognizing that, recognizing that, and and being adaptable. And it's certainly, certainly paying dividends for that team right now. I'm really excited to watch these men, you know, kind of finish off this regular season and, and potentially, and and I was assume make it into March Madness. Yeah. No, I I think at that point they're locked in uh, right now as we're speaking coming off a massive win last night against the UCLA and they're in the driver's seat for the Pac-12 regular season title um, w- when you look at Dana Altman's resume gets a team to the final four wins a Pac-12 tournament a couple of times on the verge of another Pac-12 regular season title and remember he got one last year too is it fair to say he's coached for life? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think it's pretty clear Oregon's, you know, continuing to do everything they can to keep him in Eugene. You know, I mean, the, the you know, he's got a very lucrative uh, contract deal, and and certainly all the support he needs. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the, you know, that's that's the guy. I mean, I, I, I mean, all you think about it, if Dana Alvin leaves Oregon, who do you go after? You know, and everybody's going to, well, let's go after Mark Few and. Well, it's not that simple. You right. don't just you don't just go get Mark Few from Gonzaga. You know, uh, they've obviously recognized that they have a terrific coach up there, and they're taking care of him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for Oregon, I, I I don't know you if you just look at the landscape of college basketball right now, and you're naming the top ten coaches in college basketball. I don't know how Dana Altman is not on that list. And you know, again, if you, if you lost him and you have to go after one of those other nine guys, are you going to be able to get him? Right. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think we're on the same page. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's the golden era of of Oregon athletics there with the big three. I mean, if you're if you're Rob Mullins, you're you're trying desperately to keep Mario Cristobal, Dana Altman, and Kelly Graves as happy as you can, uh, because it can be really hard to replace any of those guys. No doubt, no doubt, and uh, you know, potentially there's a couple of more names headed that way. We'll see what baseball and softball do this spring. Um, Oregon men, 2021, they are on the verge of something special in the Pac-12. They are a, a team gaining a lot of hype when you consider uh, the tournament and, and maybe you know being a four seed or a five seed that can go on a nice run in March. How do you think they compare to that Final Four team from four years ago? 
obviously different, you know, different in the fact that, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, can this team shoot the three? Yeah, they can shoot the three, but they don't live and die by the three. And I, and I think that that's a big difference. You know, additionally, um, uh, although Duarte has emerged here of late, there's a lot of guys that could score the ball, you know, for Oregon. So it's, you know, it's not so simple as, Hey, we got to shut down Peyton Pritchard or, you know, got to shut down Dylan Brooks and, and it goes away, you know, like teams of the past for Oregon. This is a team that's really well balanced. And, you know, again, they're really well balanced in terms of being able to score and they're really well balanced in terms of being able to do that from the paint and, you know, uh, from the three point line. So, I, you know, for me, this might be the deepest and most versatile team Dana Altman's had in quite some time. Mm -hmm. Um, That doesn't take away from some of those amazing individual players he's had in the last, you know, five, six years. But overall, this team right now with the way they're playing, the way they're looking, um, and especially with the the caliber of basketball they're getting out of Chris Chris Dartoy right now, the, the it's a heck of a ball club, and they're really tough to match up against. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not so much reminded of that 2017 team because I, I think about how good their shooting was. Uh, Jordan Brooks was just just incredible on that team, and, um, and, and their ability to get a bucket pretty much whenever they wanted to was unparalleled, in my opinion. Um I've loved watching Oregon basketball for years, dating back to when I was a kid. And you have uh, Aaron Brooks and Tawan Porter, and that that might have been the only other shooting threat kind of team that I could think of off the top of my head. Um, this team doesn't have that ability, but they remind me a lot of the 2019 team that went toe to toe with Virginia, where they have length. They, they play monster defense for stretches, and they do enough of, of the fundamentals. They don't turn the ball over a ton. They can get rebounds when they need to. They hit their free throws when they need to, like we saw last night. And, um, and I think a team like that can go really far. Like, on, honestly, that 2019 team, if – a couple of bounces break their way in that Virginia game. We could be talking about Oregon as national champs that year. Oh, for sure. And, uh, you know, I think that's the thing, you know, your point of, of the defense, just seeing the way they closed out UCLA last night, you know, those last few minutes game got, got close. There was continuing to be close and Oregon went on a run. All of a sudden it's, you know, it's, it's steel and it's a quick putback and it's, you know, a rebound and a putback and it's just, you know what I mean? It's just good fundamental basketball. And, you know, they're, they're clearly, um, you know, playing really good ball right now. And, and again, I think w- I know one of the big catalysts has been Chris Duarte. I think he's kind of helped take them from that. Hey, we're pretty good to like really good. And, you know, the rest of the team has kind of elevated their play around him. And it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty exciting really to kind of see what they're going to be able to do the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Um, okay. I, I feel pretty good. Um, <laughs> the ladies game is still not over. It's over on Pac-12 Network, so I'm not watching it, but I'm like following the scroll on Google. Um, it looks like Oregon's going to lose, and they'll be, I think, in the tournament, um, but they're they're not going to have a very high seed, and, and especially the way it's done in the women's game, they're going to have a really far uphill route to climb. Um, I feel like this is a good spot to wrap the pod. Anything else you want to talk about? 
No, no, I think that's, I think we've got all the bases covered. I know it's a, a bit of a shorter pod, but you know, it's still 45 minutes or so I'm sure. Right. And, and uh, you know, you and I can, can jump back next week in the, in the heat of the PAC 12 tournament. And, and there's going to be a lot of activity. I got a, I got a feeling we'll have a better handle on spring ball getting going. Um, it's going to be a little later this year than normal, but you know, that should be getting pretty close to kicking off and we can start talking about that a little bit. And, uh, but yeah, for, for this week, for now, I feel great. Okay. Like Justin said, next week we're talking about spring ball. We're talking about the Pac-12 men's basketball tournament in Las Vegas. Uh, we'll get you set for wherever the Oregon women are headed next, either women's NIT or women's NCAA tournament. just depends on what the committee says. And we'll keep you informed on everything Ducks. Thanks for listening, and go Ducks. I can do this now. Take a